This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. And coming up on this week's episode, we'll visit with Bo Bounds from 105.9 The Zone in Jackson about OU's pending move to the Southeastern Conference. We'll talk about Trace Ford, Mason Cobb, and Spencer Sanders. We'll give you an update on those three former folks and talk about how their departures are affecting the OSU football program. I've got one Mike Leach story in my arsenal that I can tell um, towards the end of the show, and we'll also have a special announcement, so please stick around for that. According to Brett McMurphy of the Action Sports Network, fine Oklahoma State alum, I might add, OU and Texas could be headed to the SEC as early as the 2024 season, which is a year ahead of what they have been saying. Now, it has been 2025, one, because that's when the current grant and rights expires. And at this point, both OU and Texas owe the Big 12 just over $80 million. And believe me, the conference would love to get their hands on that. But if OU and Texas stayed through 2025, they wouldn't owe a dime. However, if they leave a year earlier... How much money would they owe? Well, that remains to be seen because usually these things get negotiated down to about 60% of what the original cost is, which means OU and Texas would owe about $50 million. And would both schools be agreeable to that? I would think so. Um, What also may happen is that ESPN looks at a total of $100 million dollars for both schools as to just north of $160 million for both schools and says, yeah, we'll pay that out. We'll go ahead and pay that out to, to, to bring OU and Texas in. Now, there's also the matter of Fox, who isn't doing backflips over, over this move at all because they're about to lose OU and Texas permanently, and they like the idea of being able to sell OU and Texas to their sponsors especially for that damn 11 o'clock game, which, by the way, the SEC has as well. But for some reason, it's 10 times more annoying in in the Big 12. And at least the premier game in the Southeastern Conference will come after 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And you have to figure the OU-Texas game would fall into that time slot, not this 11 o'clock time slot that Fox and everybody else in the Big 12 just keeps kind of trying to push OU and Texas into. Um, All that being said, the main thing you want to know is, will OU be ready to compete in the Southeastern Conference? Well, not as of yet. I don't know how you can look at that team that was 6-6 and this year and think that they're ready to compete in the SEC, but the sooner you get into the Southeastern Conference, the sooner you have access to the types of players that Brent Venables wants, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And at this point, it sounds great that you're having a number six recruiting class. And Texas at this point is going to have a number five recruiting class, according to 24-7 Sports, for whatever that's worth. And I don't put too much stock into that. I've never put a lot of stock into recruiting rankings. But in the day and age of the transfer portal, I put even less stock in that because of how easy it is for kids to move. And you put all this time and effort in, the kid gets on campus and he's great. And then a year later, he blows out. It's like, well, what the hell were we excited for to begin with? But your main problem right now, if you're OU, while you're doing a lot of national recruiting, 
And it's not like when I grew up where you had Texas as your hotbed, you were getting some kids from Oklahoma, from Florida, from California. No, it's spread out all over the country where OU's going. You can't get in to that southeastern conference or that southeastern part of the country and sell the fact that you're going to be in the SEC in two years. Because any kid that wants to be in the SEC and thinks that they've got an opportunity to go to the NFL are going to see that as two years of wasted time. Why would I do that? Why would I go to a school and waste my time for two years waiting to play in the SEC when I could just go to Auburn or LSU or Ole Miss right now and play out my three years and then then eventually go to the NFL draft? There's just not a lot to sell. And the Big 12, despite playing better defense here in the last few years, is always going to have the reputation of being a more offensive conference where you spread the ball around, even though they do that in the SEC as well, and high-profile defensive players, really your best defensive players, don't want any part of coming to the Big 12 because it's going to drive their numbers down. And they're going to be harder to draft. And they don't feel like they've got that much of an opportunity to succeed in the NFL or at least succeed in the draft if they come to the Big 12 versus just going to the Southeastern Conference. For OU, it's sooner the better. And as far as their success goes, I'm with Joe Castiglione on this. And hopefully you read what he had to say to the Tulsa world, and I'm paraphrasing this. He said he didn't mean to be sound braggadocious, but we're Oklahoma, and we will do whatever it takes to win. And I think people forget about that. I think people forget about the commitment OU has had to football. If OU didn't have a commitment to football, then things would have just died in the 90s, and that would have been it. But not only with the hiring of Bob Stoops, but with the money that they've put into the facilities that they have now, which, by the way, are just four years old, and the fact that they've commissioned an architect to start work on new facilities, which will go up here in the next couple of years so the current Switzer Center can be used for other sports, yeah, OU's got commitment. And that's why I disagree with my good friend Bo Bounds. We had him on today on the Pat Jones Show on 97.1 The Sports Animal, mainly to talk about Mike Leach. But I did ask him about how we thought OU and Texas would fare in the Southeastern Conference, and here's what he had to say. There's just there's just no week there's just no week off, and your team has to be able to take the physical pounding. And Oklahoma and Texas are not in the right spot to come close to competing at a high level in the SEC right now. Right now. And I think those are the those are the key words. Look, I'll admit I believe Oklahoma can and will. I just think it's going to take time. And it won't be six in a row. I mean, no, no, no. Oklahoma is a is Auburn light in the SEC. So, hey, let me give you the first tier, guys. The first tier is LSU, uh, Bama, Georgia, and Florida. Now, I know Florida hadn't been winning, but that, that's sure. the first tier. Uh, sure. As far as what they can do. Okay. And then you get into the second tier of Auburn, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, A&M, and I know A&M's underachieving like Texas, but you know where I'm going. Sure. And, 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 and guys, here's the bottom line is you don't get to play Kansas, and you don't get to play Iowa State, and you don't get to play Texas Tech. And you don't get to, I mean, there's just a different – look at the 
get out the rosters and look at the height <laughs> and weight of the uh, and look at the difference. And I, I think Oklahoma is going to be Auburn light, Auburn light, seven and five, eight and four type program. I went so far as to bet Bo a steak dinner that within the first five years of OU's existence in the Southeastern Conference, they would have a couple of 10-win seasons. Not one, but a couple. And again, I'm hanging my hat on Joe Castiglione, and I'm hanging my hat on the check writers, and I'm hanging my hat on just the the idea that, that everybody involved at OU is just going to figure it out. Hey, what do we need to do to get better? All right, then then let's do that because that's what OU has always done. And I know I'm right. I know I'm right on this. I just have to see it pay off here in the here in the next few years. How soon that happens? Yeah. I'm I'm thinking by year 3 in the SEC we're back to seeing Oklahoma be Oklahoma. You might get your head kicked in for a while. But that's not going to last because it's just not what people put up with here. It's win or win, period, end of story. And right, OU's not going to rip off six SEC championships in a row the way they did the Big 12. I don't even care about conference championships. What I care about is getting to the college football playoff, and I certainly think that they can do that. I don't think that that is too much to ask for anybody that comes into Norman here over these next few years, whether it's Brent Venables or anyone else. The other thing I disagree with Bo on is, no, I don't think that moving on for Brent Venables is a prerequisite to success at Oklahoma. The guy's been here one year. You lost 40, what was it, 40% of your roster to the transfer portal, and now you're having to build it back up? I mean, come on, that'd be rough for anybody to do. I don't even think Nick Saban could, could survive that kind of Mass exodus. So to think that OU is just going to be a perennial eight and four, seven and five football team that goes to December bowls and barely makes the playoffs, no, because that's not who Oklahoma is. That may be who Mississippi State is. That may be who Arkansas is, but that's not who Oklahoma is. And Again, you've had these great defensive players. There's been a Brian Bosworth. There's been a Gerald McCoy. There's been a Tommy Harris. There has been the Selman brothers and Tony Casillas. All these great defensive players have come through. So just on history alone, you would think eventually you're going to get back there. And that's going to be you know the rude awakening we get for OU. Yes, if you've watched the SEC, you know it's going to be brutal week in, week out. But there's also going to be a rude awakening for the people on the other end of that that don't quite get what OU's all about. And I can't wait to see the look on some of these smug Southeastern Conference faces when OU more than exceeds whatever the expectations are of what they're supposed to be in the SEC. They will be better than Arkansas. That's a given. They will be better than A&M. They've been better than Texas over the last 20 years. They'll be better than Mississippi. They'll be better than Ole Miss. I got to think that they'll be better than Auburn. Heck, they've already beat them in the Sugar Bowl not that long ago. You'll be up there with the Alabamas and the Floridas and the Georgias. Will you be better than all those schools? No. But you might not be that far behind them. And it's just a matter of getting the types of players and doing the things that you know you're capable of. 
And that's why I will say, and I'll go back and say it, and I know Caleb Williams won the Heisman this week. Lincoln Riley leaving was the best thing to happen to Oklahoma when it concerns their success in the Southeastern Conference because the last thing you can be in the Southeastern Conference and be successful is soft. And we saw it with USC against Utah. Lincoln Riley cannot handle a team that shows physicality. You show physicality, then Lincoln Riley's teams somehow manage to lose every single one of those games. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Coming up next, we'll talk about the impact that three big transfer portal jumps are having on the Oklahoma State football program. Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. When you hear the cliche, football is a numbers game, actually, I don't think that's really ever said. No one's ever said that. They say baseball is a numbers game, but no one's really ever said football is a number game. Ah, that being said, I'm going to stretch and do this anyway. I, I don't think when people talk about numbers in football, they had in mind your current scholarship count. But I think those are the only numbers that Mike Gundy is really concerned with now at Oklahoma State as 11, 11 scholarship players have jumped in the transfer portal including, but not limited to, Trace Ford, Mason Cobb, and Spencer Sanders, who are three major losses for Oklahoma State. Dominic Richardson, also a a loss for Oklahoma State, but not to the impact that these guys are, especially Cobb and Sanders. Holy crap. Sanders didn't surprise me all that much. We had heard the rumors that were out there about Spencer Sanders And it looks like he could end up at Notre Dame. He could end up possibly at Florida. Um, Arizona State is being mentioned. Wisconsin was another one that was floated out there. And my co-host, Pat Jones, had heard that what may happen with Spencer Sanders is that he's actually trying to float his name out there to a Southeastern Conference school that could possibly need a quarterback. And he's looking for the best NIL deal to go along with it. And if he doesn't get what he wants, then he just goes and trains for the draft and throws his name th- throws his name into the draft, hoping that obviously he either gets picked or he gets the opportunity to sign as a free agent and um, go try out, you know, get into a camp and, and try out for a team that way. Um, Garen Emig. Uh, formerly of the Tulsa World, threw it out that maybe he'd be interested in going to TCU. God, wouldn't that be a pain in the butt? Go from go from one school in the conference to the other school in the conference. TCU's already made life a little miserable for Oklahoma State this year. Now you got an opportunity to do that again. Mason Cobb's still pretty much linked with Texas A&M. Uh, that, that's what I found. Now, look, you may have seen something else between now and then. I've seen AM. Trace Ford linked to USC, OU, Southern Methodist. Um, apparently, he's already visited Auburn. I think it's funny. I think it's really funny that USC and OU are on this list. One, why are you giving Lincoln Riley a second chance? The guy wasn't smart enough to recruit you when you were at Edmond Santa Fe. Why would you go out to Los Angeles and give him another opportunity to do it? Same with OU. OU wasn't smart enough to recruit you now. I guess you could make the excuse that, hey, maybe I've always wanted to go to OU and it's a different coaching staff, so I'll give Brent Venables and his guy a try. SMU makes no sense to me because SMU was not a better situation than Oklahoma State is. 
Um, Ohio State would make sense just um, because you're going to go be with Jim Knowles. But Oklahoma State right now struggling mightily because they've only got 13 players committed for this upcoming recruiting class. That's not just for the December 1st signing day. That's for the one coming up in February. And there's a chance that it doesn't grow. You've got 56 players coming back on scholarships. And I know I'm throwing a lot at you and thank you, Scott Wright, for the numbers. Um, 56 players coming back. So 56 plus 13, if my math is correct, that 69 players on scholarship you'll have between signing day and your returners, that leaves 14 spots open you've got to fill. And whether you do that through the portal or whether you do that through traditional recruiting, that's not something that that's easy to replace at all if you're Oklahoma State. That is very difficult. So, yeah, Mike Gundy's in, in some trouble right now. Oklahoma State is in some trouble. And the biggest trouble you're in is depth. And just going through a yearly football schedule where you have all this attrition build up. Think about what we saw this week in the Monday night football game. I kind of five players get hurt in the first half. Now, granted, you are talking about NFL and you are talking about teams that have played 12 games, but and we're playing in week 13 and still have four more to go. By the way, 17 games, just ridiculous, ridiculous amount of games for, for anyone to play. But even in college football where you play just 12 games a year, that's an awful lot of bodies to lose. And in the portal, I know that people are doing backflips over getting a, a running back out of the Mac. Look, I, I you, yes, you can get a guy that rushed for over a thousand yards at, at a group of five school. All right. Back to back seasons. It doesn't mean that he's going to do it in the big 12. I would warn Oklahoma state fans not to get too excited about that just because of Dylan Gabriel. I mean, it was one thing to have success at UCF, but it did not translate to him having success at Oklahoma. And the thing, when you lose a guy like Ford, you lose a guy like Cobb, or you lose a guy like Spencer Sanders, there normally isn't another one of those guys that's just waiting there in the portal. And one thing I hate about the portal, okay, I mean, through the portal, give it, the portal, take it away, whatever. And I understand, as a program, you've got to embrace it. I mean, you've got to use it as best as you possibly can to either plug holes or do what Leakin Riley or Lane Kiffin did, which is try and build your program off of it. I wouldn't recommend that, but maybe that's the best way to go. The thing I hate about the portal is think about a guy like Josh Allen. We had this, this came up on our show today. You're Josh Allen, all right? And we're going back to your days at Wyoming. So you're out there hanging out in Laramie, Wyoming, where there is absolutely nothing. There's nothing in Laramie, Wyoming, as far as the eyes can see. There's mountains, there's snow, and there's a few deer. That's it. I don't know. Maybe Kevin Costner's roaming around there. By the way, I've not seen one episode of Yellowstone, and I'm probably never going to. Anyway, um, Josh Allen, you're at Wyoming two years. All of a sudden, USC's down a quarterback. They need you. Well, you're going to stay in Laramie, Wyoming? You're going to go to USC? No, you're going to USC. And it doesn't matter that they didn't give you a scholarship to begin with. And it doesn't matter that the Wyoming coaching staff has invested time and money into you. Nope, USC's giving you a scholarship, so you go. And as we're seeing, Oklahoma State suffering that 
from that as well because most people would look at going to Auburn, USC, or OU as a bump up from Oklahoma State. Sorry. I don't mean to pour salt in wounds, but the, but the truth is the truth there. Um, Florida would be a, an upgrade. In some people's eyes, A&M would be an upgrade, and I hate it. But that's just where college football is now, and it's having a devastating impact on the Oklahoma State football program. Um, finally, um, I want a bit of fond farewell to Mike Leach. Um, my favorite thing about Mike Leach was the guy was human as, as compared to a lot of other coaches, so many coaches, and, and I won't name names from guys that I've covered. You really couldn't sit down and have a beer with them. You really could with Mike Leach. You could eat wings. You could talk about whatever you wanted to talk about with him. He was going to be cool with it. If you wanted to talk football, great. If you wanted to talk about Mississippi Delta Blues, apparently he was really cool about that. I only got to speak with Mike Leach once in my career. It is was shortly after Mike Loxley got fired at New Mexico, and there were rumors that Mike Leach would be interested in that job and was able to get his number, had him on my show, and pretty much all he did was promote his book, Swing Your Sword. But I was cool with it. Um, you know, he played to the New Mexico crowd, talked about how good a job it was, never really said he was interested. Turns out he was interviewed for the job. And I talked to the athletic director at the time, and they went out to Key West or wherever he was in Florida. Leach showed up in the Hawaiian shirt and flip-flops and was like a four, 45 minutes to an hour late. Yeah, nothing says I don't want the job like showing up 45 minutes or an hour late, but I would expect nothing less from Mike Leach. And whether it was Bo Bounds telling me his stories uh, today on our air or whether it whether, whether it was um, Armin Williams, my good friend, talking about his time at Texas Tech with Mike Leach or when they were in Boston, you know, pounding down crab legs and chowder and just having a good time. You need more people like Mike Leach in college football. You need more people like Mike Leach in life, period. I may not have agreed with everything uh, the guy had to say uh, politically, but I certainly enjoyed my time talking to him, and everybody else I know enjoyed talking to him. And that's, that's what makes it awesome. When a guy can show you he's more than just a football coach, that's what makes him special. That's what separates him from just about everybody else doing this job. And as we wrap up uh, here in the next few weeks, uh, we've only got a few more episodes of the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition left. We are going to an all-OU podcast. And I'll tell you straight up why. It's because too many OSU fans complained. Um, we're going to give you what you want. You spoke. You want, a, you want an OSU guy. I put that in air quotes. But you want an OSU guy, we're going to give you an OSU guy. But we're going to continue to do the best damn job we can uh, covering OU and talking about it in ways that nobody else is talking about OU on a podcast. Look, I can run down recruits. I could spend hours a day breaking down film, but that's just boring. That's not any fun to listen to. And, and, and I don't even care that it's the whole nerdy thing. Don't you want to be entertained? We're going to do our best to entertain you as well as inform you. So, make sure you tune into the new podcast. It's tune in, download, whatever. And um, we'll get that kicked off at the beginning of the year when we uh, go through our full relaunch. But uh, those of you OSU fans that didn't complain 
Um, I appreciate you. Appreciate you listening. I appreciate the OU fans uh, that listened as well. So it's it's been a lot of fun do, doing the Bedlam podcast. It'll be even more fun doing the OU podcast. And I, I wish everybody well. As a matter of fact, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And uh, to quote somebody, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays. All right. Um, and last thing I want to say real quick as we get out here, because um, my boss wants me to say this. Remember, give us five stars and please write a view review. Until then, peace out.